0: Welcome into football. Another F words. Uh, a victory Wednesday. Is that what we can call it? If uh, if you want, you know, a uh, winning Wednesday. How about that? No, everybody has victory Monday. Of uh, football, and Other F words. Winning Wednesday. What do you think about that, Mike?
1: I like it. I like it. Win- winning Wednesday. I love. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for uh,
0: alliteration. So yeah, alliteration is great. You know, you would say think that you are a sucker for alliteration, but you demolished at Mike Miracles on Twitter, and you are now at Mike Herndon NFL on Twitter. You can follow Mike Herndon on Twitter, at Mike Herndon NFL. And if you want to see his bad takes from previous years, you have to use that Mike Miracles when you're searching. You can find (laughs) his written content today on PaulKarsky.com. And what is coming up today on PaulKarsky.com that you have written? So I
1: don't totally know yet as of this okay. recording. So it'll be a mystery for you and me right
0: now. Yeah, I like it. I like a good mystery box. Um, we'll just see what happens, right? I mean, you know, PK took some good, had some good articles last week. He had uh, what was a lie that we were told or that we believed in. I thought that was a great, great article, uh, and you had a great article. Uh, just breaking down all the film that you typically oh. do, and of course, every Thursday. The Mike Herndon Show, starring Mike Herndon with Mike Herndon. It's a Mike Herndon Thursday. We need to come up with a good Titans Thursday on Mike Herndon uh, Show. And uh, obviously, we'll be breaking down this game. And obviously, you guys have figured out technology and have joined us in the year 2022, you and Easton, on how to break down film on StreamYard. So if you're not a Broadway insider... You need to become a Broadway insider and get the annual pass. You can enjoy all the Mike Herndon that your body can can sustain.
1: <laughs> Maybe even more. Maybe, even, Maybe more.
0: even more. I mean, just pay for it. Get all the Mike Herndon all up in your grill. I mean, just Mike Herndon after Mike Herndon after Mike Herndon. It's kind of like me in a football show. You can watch a football show on Mondays and Thursdays live. Then you get in podcast form or you go to YouTube. And with you, you get. Written content on Wednesday. You get audio content slash video content on Wednesday because we are on YouTube on uh, the Broadway Sports Media YouTube and Thursday. But you on Thursday, it's a private link, members only. True. It's true. Wait, listen. A bunch of strip clubs have shut down. Apparently, Nashville is only down to one strip club, Mike. What? Yeah. It's a a strip club epidemic. I I don't know if that's true. I hadn't fact-checked it, but someone on Twitter was saying, I'm so glad I didn't move to Nashville. (laughs) A Titans fan said, I'm so glad I didn't move to Nashville. They only have, like, one strip club. And uh, To be honest, they were
1: all bad. They are. When when I was in my strip club attending uh, uh, Prime,
0: they were all bad. But that money you're saving on a strip club membership, spend it on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Get into the yes. real <laughs> exclusive and the only exclusive club in Tennessee, the Mike Herndon Show Club with the Broadway Insider Pass. And, of course, Football and Other Efforts is brought to you by the one of the best non-strip club restaurants in Nashville, Jaspers. <laughs> and Jaspers <laughs> in Nashville, I went there the other day on Friday. I went there, stopped in, and I got... The usual massive salads, as big as your face, Mike, basically as big as Tierra Tart's head. Tierra wow. Tart has a massive head, so it's a big head. And also, I have to say, Bearded Iris, they don't sponsor us, they don't sponsor anything that we're affiliated with. But I'm not one of these guys that, you know, has this massive ego that can't do no free shout outs, whatever. Bearded Iris is on tap, and they have the best Pilsner on tap at Jaspers, and that is Pep Talk. And go there, get you a couple of pep talks. Go there and get you a shrimp. This massive, just huge shrimp grilled shrimp salad is amazing. And on top of that, they have board game wins, or I think board game Thursdays. They have two for ones on Sunday. And on top of all this, because we do have some. There are some Clemson fans that listen to this show. They are a Clemson um, watch party. A destination, official Clemson watch party fan club destination. So if you're a Clemson fan and you want to go watch DJ Ugly Eye uh, throw some passes around, then you need to go to Jaspers. Jaspers is on West End across from Vanderbilt. Great location, massive parking spots, and it's free parking. And on top of all that, two for one on Sundays when the Titans play. And this Sunday, the Titans are not playing, but you can still go there and get two for ones.
1: Listen, does Clemson have any games left on their schedule that are interesting before they get beat by 40 in the playoffs?
0: I guess I should have done some research on Clemson before <laughs> before I started bringing it up because I don't know because I don't care because it's Clemson oh, and they suck.
1: Listen, nobody in the ACC is good. Let's be honest. No. I mean, Florida, Florida State and Miami are a bunch of frauds. Like, let's get out of here with yeah.
0: ACC football. I, I am with you. Uh, we will not talk about my alma mater, um, Memphis. <laughs> uh, they lost in disastrous fashion. It's unbelievable. Um, but I will say this about Jasper's as well. Hockey season is upon us. Predators are looking pretty good. Yeah, on pace to go 82-0. Jasper's is a Predators bar, so you should definitely go there for Predators games. So good stuff coming from Jasper's. Not so good stuff coming from out of this Tennessee Titans victory or winning Wednesday, trademarked by the Football and Other Efforts LLC group. Not a lot of good things coming out of it, but- <laughs> Let's start with some positive because I don't want to poo poo over everybody's parade. Because my God, if you say anything bad about a victory, people are going to think that you're a hater. And that's all right. I don't mind being labeled a hater. But it's one thing I cannot hate, and I'm ready to jump on the board because I've been putting it off week after week after week after week. Derrick Henry's back. And if you are watching on the YouTube video, you can see me swinging around a pencil like I'm a fucking old man newsroom over here.
1: Here we go. Here we go. Uh, no, it's like uh, yeah. He's definitely back. He's definitely back. Yeah, I I thought. Yeah, last couple weeks were steps in the right direction. This one was again good. And like, look, this dude has probably a hundred yards worth of called back runs on penalties in the last two weeks <laughs> yeah, alone. Like, real. I mean, it's insane. And you look at his numbers. Like his per carry numbers are not that great right now. Part of that's just because the Bills game was just so atrocious. Um, but Part of that is because he's yeah like he's had about a hundred yards where the runs called back due to fucking penalties, some of which are horrendous calls i mean, there were there was a holding penalty, I think, in this game too, that was about as bad as the Burks holding penalty- like i I don't understand what, and Brabel you know obviously was pissed about the refs today in his press conference and kind of took the old um well, I'm not gonna say anything so I don't get fined uh approach uh to the that press conference when the referee topic came up but clearly he's not very happy with with how the, these games have been called against his team in the last couple of weeks but yeah henry henry's back he looks great uh if they could block for him a little bit better he'd be you know it, it, and i think there's a chance and we'll talk about this a little bit more i think there's a chance coming out of the bye and maybe getting some guys healthy and and you know hopefully working through some of the kinks here on the offensive line, as far as run blocking unit, at least that this run blocking group could be pretty good over the back half of the year. And they could crank out some pretty good Derrick Henry games here.
0: Yeah. I think that we're just now waiting on Derrick Henry to hit the, the big ones, right? I mean, the home runs and all this stuff, because in all honesty, he's got the burst. He's got the vision. And in all honesty, he's the only offensive player on this team that matches the attitude and swagger of the defensive line and the defense as a whole. This offensive line is just – or in, this offense in general is just lacking oomph, I guess, is a, is, a, is a way to put it because you saw it with Henry and you've seen it with Henry really all season, we've said – Henry's attitude and effort is there it's just not it's just not connecting now it's connecting now you are looking around the league if you watch the around the league and I've watched a lot of football every weekend specifically NFL I will say I did not put myself having through the pain of watching that Thursday night football game I watched literally anything else I was never gonna watch that game.
1: Honestly, I, I kind of loved watching it. It was like a very great. It was just a great Twitter experience. Honestly, is just it like the watching jokes?
0: the Room? Do you do you know about the Room, Mike? Don't uh, don't the Room is that. an is this really shitty TV show? It's like Mystery Science Theater three thousand bad. Like it's yeah. a it's okay. a shitty movie, and it's like self directed. Uh, Seth Rogen and um, James Franco did a a uh, uh, kind of like a doc- mockumentary about the Room but it's this horrible, horrible movie. It's like Manos, Hands of Fate, Bad, and true Mystery Science Theater, 3,000 people will get that reference. But basically, you're sitting there and you're just watching it to make fun of it. Is that what yeah. it kind of is?
1: Basically, yeah. I mean, Twitter, it was a great Twitter game because like everyone was just crapping all over Russell Wilson and the Colts, which are two of my favorite brands of Twitter uh, humor. So I, it was a lot of fun for me personally to watch just because I love watching both those sides in misery, but... Um yeah, it was a horrible football game. If you were watching for entertaining football, you came to the wrong place that Thursday night.
0: Yeah, typically I watch every NFL game that comes on in some form fashion. Some of that's red zone, so it's a little bit more condensed, some of that's the full games. So it just, you know, depends on where it's all at. And out of all the running backs I've watched over the weekend, I think you would say that the only one ha- the only ones that match the energy of Derrick Henry and the attitude and this just like oomph of like I'm gonna get every fucking yard I can out of this run and every run I get, whenever I touch the ball, I'm gonna give it my best. Is AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. And now them two together make one good running back in in Derrick Henry. Like I that's that's how I view Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry's back. But the rest of this offense. You know, I'm watching guys like Devon Duvernay, Mike Thomas of the Bengals, just specifically from last night, Hayden Hurst. These guys, whenever they get the ball, they're making plays. They are going that extra mile to make sure they get one or two extra yards they weren't going to get. You can even go into the Cardinals game and see Hollywood Brown, who's like the littlest little fella ever. The Devontae Smith, who's just as skinny as he's like the skeleton man. He's like Jack Skeleton out there, you know, just running around. These guys are taking hits and glancing them off of them. Where is that guy for Tennessee? Because at one point you had AJ Brown, which we know how he is and how he plays football. He plays with a little chip on his shoulder and he runs through tackles. He runs through plays. It's going to take a lot to bring him down. You have had Corey Davis be that guy on numerous occasions, and Johnnie Smith. This team, to me and I know we kind of derailed because I was going to try to talk about positive, but we'll get to the defense here in a minute. This team, to me, is lacking guys on offense specifically and really only offense, in my opinion, that lack oomph, desire, the want to, to get that extra yards because there is a play where Robert Woods just casually catches the ball and steps out two yards before the first down, and he could have gotten it and maybe then some, Easily yeah. before he got touched. Where, yeah, I, where, I,
1: I remember watching that play and thinking like, why, why did he just go out of bounds right there? I, I was yeah. like, uh, I just wasn't sure. I, and I agree with you. I, I think that is a problem. They don't have anybody. They don't have any playmakers right now. Like just none outside of Is
0: Henry. that a playmaker thing? Because I look at all these other teams and I think like, is maybe Devin Duvernay is a bad thing, but is Hayden Hurst a playmaker? Is Mike Thomas, not Michael Thomas, Mike Thomas, yeah. Of the bingles a playmaker you know i know Devonte smith and these other guys are but there's a there was a tight end in, it wasn't tanya but there was a tight end in the green bay game look at what the giants filled it it was saquon barkley and then it was darius slayton marcus johnson these other guys those guys david seals when those guys got the ball they fought for yards yeah. and when your offensive line is as terrible as the tennessee titans are when you get the ball you need to be fighting for some yards and it just is it a playmaker thing or is it just like are they ingrained in don't make mistakes i mean i I
1: tend to think it's kind of a playmaker thing and, and to a large degree because like nwi is not a run after the catch guy like he's very much a possession type receiver um he's never been good after the catch uh you know woods is is good after the catch at times but he you know obviously had the weird moment in this He's had he's honestly had like one weird moment per game uh over the last three weeks now going back to like that interception that that he caused against the raiders and then he had the play uh on third down where he wasn't lined up on the wrong side last week and then you know had to get motioned over to the other side and then wasn't set at the time the ball was snapped which caused a penalty on third down and then he had this play where he just runs out of bounds, and he also had a drop in this game. You know, he's he's been okay, you know. he He's had some moments where you like what you see from him, but he doesn't look dynamic by any means. Um, and I think part of that is probably ACL-related. He's still less than a year removed from that surgery and all that stuff. But outside of Woods, I mean, you start to get down the list, and you're certainly not expecting anything from Cody Hollister. I mean, Kyle Phillips is – still interesting from a route running standpoint, but I think we've kind of seen from him to this point that he's just so slight and small that he's not going to get anything after the catch for you. I mean, he's not a bad runner in space if you can get him the ball, but this team is struggling so bad to get anybody the ball in space right now. And I think part of that is just they, the teams are taking away those crossers over the middle and, and asking them to beat them other ways. And they don't have the personnel to do it. I mean, I mean, honestly, Burks was supposed to be that guy for them, right? The Burks was supposed to be the guy that could give them a little bit of extra pop after the catch. And and now that he's hurt, you know, and out for the next three games, it's, yeah, I, I just, there's nobody on the roster you think that's going to make that go away for them. I mean, maybe Chig. Chig, I, I'd like to see more touches for Chig
0: still. Well, but. and they they go back from Chig getting three targets to Chig getting one target and then playing limited snaps again. like. I don't – I have a hard time wrapping my head around this win because I feel like the offensive philosophy or game plan is just piss poor. Uh, You're talking about 16.1% of your dropbacks. I mean, four pass attempts that that made it through are play-action passes, and one of them is probably the most poorly conceived plays that ended up being – the biggest play and luckiest play of the season so far, because that 61-yard pass to Nick Westbrook is not only the, I believe, the longest pass, if I'm not mistaken, at least it's the longest pass through the air, but the longest completed pass. He was the only wide receiver on the field in a two-wide receiver set with a, or two tight end set with a fullback, and they send him deep, Chig deep in, in his route, and Derrick Henry coming out of the flat And all they had to do was Jeff Swain and Torrey Carter block four guys with the offensive line. Seven people couldn't even block four guys. It was the luckiest, but also, what the fuck is that play? Like, why is that play, is that supposed to be a play for Burks? And they were like, well, next man up, we'll just run the same play with Burks, kind of like what they did last, or with NWI, kind of like what they did last year.
1: I mean, honestly, I I think, and this this really speaks to the state of the wide receivers, Burke or NWI is the best guy that they've got to do that. I mean, Woods is oh not God. a deep threat. Woods is not a deep threat at all. Um, you know, Phillips certainly isn't going to do that. You don't, you aren't going to do Hollister. So, I mean, NWI is the best option that they've but got. But is that a good that play? To,
0: I mean, I get that it worked, right? But we always talk about, well, we never criticize the plays if they work or, you know, the bad plays if they work. And to me, this is a bad play that works. So I want to, I want to do something different. Let's criticize the bad play that worked. In a in a in a point of your game where the defensive line is just totally harassing and destroying your offensive line, is a deep <laughs> is a deep route to N.W.I really the smartest play call or the best play to be using in that round? I know that it worked, but again, uh. I think it's a fair criticism.
1: It, I, yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I, I, I don't think he was the first read on the play. Obviously, Tannehill was double, yeah, double clutched pretty hard and was looking, I think, at Chig was the initial. Yeah, probably Chig um, up at the,
0: at the front.
1: And I, the All-22 isn't out yet when we're recording this, so I haven't been able to watch that back with the, the actual view where you can see safety since uh, CBS doesn't like to show us any replays
0: of anything. Oh, my God, it was the um. worst. That may have been the worst CBS experience of my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just no no replays. We're just, you know, we're just going to talk about, we're just going to watch them huddle some more. Um, we're going to follow uh, Carson
0: Wentz to the, the bench. What, uh, what happened in this play?
1: Yeah, it's insane. Um, but, you know, it, I kind of feel like here's the problem. I kind of feel for Todd Downing right now in a way because, like, there's just no good answers. Like, right. I and mean, if he lines up and just runs the ball over and over again, which is really their best play, is just giving it to Derrick Henry people are going to scream that oh you're so predictable you're just running the ball all the time and then i mean when you go and you play action pass and they had what five dropbacks five play action dropbacks four attempts they were pressured on four of those five dropbacks uh which is i think why we didn't see more play action in this game because they couldn't block it they they, they just could not block it with raidens in there with you know daily being horrible um you know, with, with the Washington defensive line, frankly, being the strength of that team by far, I just felt like they were they were like, we can't block these guys up front long enough to get these plays off, even if we max protect, like it just wasn't working. So they were like they were just hitting these little short the only thing they were hitting in the passing game was those short little outs to to Robert Woods, which it seemed like they were willing to give, you know, kind of a, a free release to to that uh most of the time. But it was um I mean, he's really boxed in by the personnel. There's nobody, like, besides giving the ball to Derrick Henry or maybe, like, trying to get the ball in Chig or Hilliard's hands, like, there's just not a lot of, like, really great answers right now. Well, especially uh, if Austin
0: Hooper can't fucking catch a pass and stand up and stay up. I mean, he looks like fucking Justin Hunter out there. Bambi on ice 2.0. It's
1: fucking
0: ridiculous. And I I will say this. Uh, Noted Ryan Tannehill hater at Bonafide Bro on Twitter. I mean, just... Tannehill could do nothing right. I'm in a group chat with him, and I was specifically, he brought up that play, or we were talking about that play. We're talking about, uh, because we saw the dots, and I was just laughing at the dot of Montez Sweat basically just coming around untouched, and there's no reason that this play should have ever worked, and it worked because Ryan Tannehill moved up and somehow got the ball out in miraculous fashion. And he said, well, you know, Tannehill could have checked out of that play and I'm thinking, well, once again, check into with that personnel when you have NWI out there and two tight ends and Tory Carter and Derrick Henry, you're going to check into a run play then everybody's going to be like, why are they running on second and eight? And so right. I kind of agree with you. It is a little lose-lose. I guess if you're going to run a play-action pass play, though, maybe put in one more wide receiver that can run a third route and not rely on Derrick Henry, your rookie tight end, and Nick Westbrook-Akine, I mean... I guess that's where I'm at is that, like, it's not necessarily the play call. It's the personnel used. Like, And I think that's where everybody right now that is watching this team in a professional way uh, is it's not so much the plays, it's the personnel on the plays. And, yeah. and I feel like that's a fair criticism, right? I, I think so, because, I mean – I mean, I guess, you know. I, I understand the offensive line is, is just so bad. <laughs> like, it, I understand it, that.
1: It's kind of okay. I mean, I, I'd also say that like some of their biggest chunk plays this year have come out of those weird sets where you've got Hollister on the field as the only wide receiver and you've got three tight ends in the game because they are trying to hard sell play action and they're, they're trying to make the defense go, oh, Hollister's on the field, here comes a run, um, which I looked it up last week. I think they were 75% run with Hollister, 70, no, 70% run with Hollister in the game. Uh, heading into this, this pass game, I don't know where they're at now, but, um, you know, obviously it does key them to key the defense to look at the run, but sometimes you can use that against the defense to hit a pass, right? So right. I think sometimes they've been able to do that. Do they get too cute with that sometimes? Sure. But I mean, honestly, like, in, I'm not trying to say that they don't have offensive coaching issues. They clearly do. Like, there's the scheme isn't ter- terribly imaginative. They had one. Really nice combination of play calling when they had the the Henry screen and then the the immediate throwback screen to Hilliard off of a look that they gave the Colts last week, which was I thought really smart. Um, But you know, there's just not a lot of imagination outside of those kind of little things every now and then. Um, But the personnel is so bad. Like that's what I keep coming back to. It's like I, I put most of this on John Robinson because with Traylon Burks hurt, who really, I mean, he, it wasn't like he was dominating, right? Like, But right. he was at least a guy that you could see, like, okay, maybe he could be a threat. Um, there's just nothing here. There's nothing to work with besides Derrick Henry and a bunch of rookies. I mean, that that's honestly, like, that's what you're looking at is you're going, can we get the ball to Traylon Burks? Can we get the ball to Chica Conquo? Can we get the ball to Kyle Phillips? These are rookies playing in their fifth NFL game. I mean, that should not be the guys that you're hanging your hat on trying to, like, be like, well, these guys are going to save our offense in an NFL season. It's just a bad situation from a personnel standpoint. And I think that blaming John Robinson for that and, you know, maybe blaming Austin Hooper for not performing better so far is fair. But
0: for $12 million between the two, Austin Hooper, Jeff Sway. woof. Oh my gosh. This is, this has not been a good off season for John Robinson in particularly Specifically, though, let's get into it. This terrible, terrible, the worst I've seen since probably Ken Wisenhut days offensive line. And Dennis Daly was traded for using a fifth round pick, which is utterly ridiculous. It was utterly ridiculous at the time, but is even more utterly, utterly ridiculous now that it's not panning out. We're talking about a guy who, Buffalo game, this game, combined with Aaron Brewer, they're just not getting it done on the left side, and yeah, the run-blocking grades look good, and Derrick Henry starting to find a groove on the left side, but they're really not even wanting to run it on the left side during these games, because they don't have faith in those two to meet the blocks. And this is a John Robinson issue, right? We're talking about two draft picks that flamed out in both Isaiah Wilson and Dylan Raiden's. He didn't re-sign uh, Dennis Kelly. He let him walk. He let Jack Conklin go because he didn't want to match the Cleveland Browns deal, which at the time, we all said, kind of makes sense. But at the time now, you're kind of like, well, you know, maybe that $20 million fully guaranteed or $29 million, whatever it was, maybe it would have been worth it a little bit. You know... All of these missteps, and right now you're backed into a corner. You have La Raven Clark, which is Spanish for the Raven Clark. You have Dylan Raidens, and maybe Jamarco Jones gets healthy. Those are your guys behind Dennis Daly as possible replacements, but those are also the same guys that could possibly replace Aaron Brewer. So Mike, I, I ask you. We're heading into the bye week here. The Tennessee Titans are heading into the bye week. This offensive line has obviously hindered the playbook and the play calling ability of Todd Downing, of this whole team, limits what they can do. What is the solution that is in-house? Because that is the solution they're going to go with, right? There, there is no solution. There, There's no way. And maybe I'm just trying to speak this into existence because when I say there's no way, it usually turns into a way. There's no way to trade for Isaiah Win, right? right. There's no I way mean, to I'd be, Eric Flowers, right?
1: I'd be surprised if the if the Patriots were going to trade Isaiah Win right now. I mean, it's they're the Patriots aren't good, but they're what two and three? I mean, they're they're right in the thick of things still, and they could get better as the, as the season goes on. And I think I, I think you're right though. I think it's going to be an in-house thing. I, I think it's going to be these guys developing, improving, maybe them trying something different at left tackle. Um, you know, although Vrabel's comments about Daly, you know, settling in as the game went on and everything tells me that they aren't going to be making that. Move tells me he's cuckoo for Cocoa
0: puffs and some of the shit that he says. <laughs> he's just well, saying shit.
1: Well, and so, and I think regarding Brewer, I, I don't think Brewer needs to be benched. Honestly, like I know he's not very good in pass protection. You're a I know big that's a Brewer problem.
0: guy. This is your I'm, this I, is your Taywan Taylor. This is your Taywan Taylor. I'm not a
1: big Brewer guy, but he's better at left guard than anybody else that they have on the roster at left guard because he is actually a plus as a run blocker. He is a good run blocker. He helps them do things in the run game and on in the screen game that would be very difficult to replicate with other guys and he's not any worse at pass protection than Dylan Radins has proven to be so far than what Jamarco Jones, I would expect to be like, there's not like some guy on the roster that I think you're just waiting to plug in. That's going to be really good. And like, sure. I would have loved for them to sign Eric flowers all offseason. We, we were beating that drum for forever. Um, but at this point, I just don't think it's going to happen. And and look, no other team has signed Eric Flowers either. So either he's asking for a ton of money or he's got some injury or personal issue that nobody knows about. Or maybe he just doesn't even want to play. I, I don't know what the situation is with Eric Flowers. But it, you don't really see his name come up that much besides fans talking. You don't see anyone in the media say, oh, you know, Eric Flowers is looking for a job or whatever. So I don't know what's happening with Eric Flowers. But I, I I'm done talking about him. Cause I don't think he's coming to this team and I don't think it's relevant at this point. So um Brewer to me, I think you look at him and you say, all right, he's a guy that's third year in the league. His, this is, this is what's his like 11th start of his career. Um, You could hope that he's going to get better as the season goes on. I, I know Keith Carter talked today about him becoming a better technician and pass protection and things like that. So there are some technical things that clearly they see they think that they he can improve on and become better. Now he's, I don't think he's ever going to be the left best left guard in the league, but can he be passable enough in pass protection that his run blocking strength is something that you can, you can use and, and live with, and you can play offense with this guy at left guard. I think we could get there with him. Um, I think Nicholas Petit Frere, I think you can get there with him. I think he's shown enough flashes that you're like, okay, there's, tools here to work with in the bye week you know as we talked about last week could potentially be big for him but daily to me continues to be the the issue that i just don't think uh, there's not a fix because daily's this is was his 24th start in the nfl he's been in the league for four years he's not suddenly gonna become a whole different player this is kind of who he's always been he was gonna be cut by the panthers which is why he was available guess what the panthers offensive line sucks so it's it's not like he's some great player um that he's not the next Dennis Kelly, right I mean he's just not so could he could they get Nicholas Pete Frere good enough to where they could help Dennis Daly a lot that I think is the question because that or, or do you try Dylan Radens at some point That's what I was I, about
0: to ask because at what point i mean you're you, at some point these guys got to be watching the film right. And watching the game and they, they they can't be lying to themselves just because a win is a win. And we're going to talk about this philosophy later on, just because you win doesn't mean you have problems. And I feel like there is a glaring neon sign with an arrow pointing at Dennis Daly that says loser. And, <laughs> And they are ignoring it. It's like they're fucking Matt Murdock without the echolocation. That's a Daredevil reference for you uh, people who are too cool for Marvel Comics. And they're just blind men just walking around ignoring all this. When in all reality, at this point, I know that Dylan Radins doesn't maybe technically deserve this chance. It can't be worse, right? I mean, it just... (laughs) It's but, hard hey, for me to imagine that, that Dylan Radins is worse than Dennis Daly. Here's the thing, though we
1: said that it, we said this exact same thing about Caleb Farley and Terrence Mitchell three weeks ago, and during the Raiders game, whatever that week that was. And uh, yes, Terrence Mitchell is better than Caleb Farley right now. So, like, I, I think you have to be careful about it, assuming that some guy on the bench is not actually better than than the guy that's starting, but. I don't know. I I still feel like Raiden's to me, and I, I I'm interested to watch the tape in this game. And obviously, I'll I'll have some clips of Raiden's from for the Mike Hernan show later this week. But uh, I'm interested to watch how he held up at right guard, filling in for Nate Davis, and see if there's anything there that maybe you think, all right, hey, you stick him at left tackle, maybe he could be okay. Maybe he's getting better. You know, he's still a young guy. He's still you know capable of improving. Um, but I don't know. I, I I'm not sure that Raiden's would be better, but I wouldn't mind trying him because frankly he's got a better physical tool set than uh than Dennis Daly does. So at some point, you know, he's the higher upside guy. And and if you're looking at the best upside five, you know, if you're trying to get the best five by the end of the year and you want the guys with the highest upside, it's definitely Raiden's brewer jones davis and Petit frere to me like that would be your best starting five if they all were able to like continue to level up their games with coaching as as the season goes on but today right now maybe maybe he's not better i don't know
0: i mean don't you think that uh, apparently according to the buck rising show uh dennis daly Decided that they were going to that he was going to make sure to get out of dodge as quickly as possible, and he he basically avoided every reporter. He wasn't even in there after the game. I mean, like he dodged everybody that he could. Yeah, you know, Dylan Raiden's he wasn't great because first off, you couldn't really evaluate the offensive lines' individual performance. That felt ex- uh, only when they showed replays because first off, yeah. they didn't show replays. But on the rare occasion they did, it was like for Aaron Brewer, pretty much, which I felt kind of a little bit bad about him. They didn't play great. But, you know, I got asked by a bunch of people, what did you think of Dylan Raiden's performance? Really, I couldn't fucking tell where the pressure was coming from because they it was just snapped the ball, it was there. Like, um,
1: and, and when you're watching the game, like, unless you're just trying to focus on only Dylan Raiden's all game, like, it's really hard to actually know how he played. Uh, especially watching it from the TV angle because the inside of that offensive line, just it gets so jumbled up. It's just a mass of bodies at some point in the inside and you can't tell what's actually happening. So I, I don't know that anyone can really evaluate offensive line play, especially not on the interior off of the TV guy. Yeah, if, just,
0: if, if just if right are, then and there you can't do it. And yeah. But I did feel like, he was probably the th- second or third best offensive lineman when you factor in penalties and, and other things like that. And, and, it, you know, that's still up in the air, but you're right. If you're putting out the best five that you have on your roster right now, Dylan Raiden's is one of the best five, but that's not saying that he's great. It's just saying that that is the state of the current uh, Titans offensive line. And it's offensive. It's an offensive offensive line. Is pretty it much it is
1: not. Let me say this. A lot of bad offensive lines in the league right now. Oh my like, god, she ain't kidding. The Broncos' offensive line sucks and just lost their best player in Garrett Bowles for the season. Um, the the Colts' offensive line is an absolute tire fire. Uh, you turn on almost any NFL game and you're going to see some really bad offensive line play, which is what I think is the major and primary contributor to like some of this you know, Tom Brady talked about bad football and bad, you know, I think he's talking specifically about offensive football and everyone knows scoring's down and all that stuff. And everyone's pointing to, Oh, well it's all this cover two People are running all this, you know, too high safety stuff. And um, I think that's part of it maybe, but I think a lot of it is that these offensive lines can't fucking block. Everyone's like, there's like four or no, like there's probably five or six of the best left tackles in the NFL that are not playing right now. Trent Williams is hurt. Uh, Tyron Smith is hurt. Obviously, Taylor Lewan is hurt. Garrett Bowles is hurt. Um, I'm trying to think. I think Bar- Bakhtiari was hurt earlier. Ronnie Stanley is going through Ronnie his injuries. Staley's Bakhtiari
0: is going through all of his stuff. He played, yeah, but mean, he's not very good right
1: now. This, this is like the list of like the top guys, and they're like all hurt. So, all these teams are dealing with offensive line issues to some degree or another. Um, because, look, most teams don't have enough good offensive linemen for five, uh, much less six or seven. So, it's a problem. It's a problem everywhere, and that's why the fucking Eagles are undefeated. is because their offensive line is awesome, um, and it's why the the Lions until this past week have been able to have one of the best offenses in the NFL. their offensive line's fucking awesome. So it, it is. It is still a trenches game to me, even with all the the weapons and, and all that stuff. Uh, you know, wide receivers and all the passing game and all that. It's still a trenches game, and it you know, it's a pandemic issue with the offensive lines in the NFL right now.
0: It's crazy, though, that almost every team is dealing with an offensive line issue like you're detailing. But a lot of teams are moving the ball better than the Tennessee Titans, and it's just it's it's frustrating to watch as not only an objective observer because I try to watch the games now a little bit more objectively than I have in the past, but also as a fan of this team, when you go and watch other teams, and they are finding this offensive success despite having that, and a lot of that has to do with dropping back letting it rip or dropping back and running the ball if you're Ryan Tannehill and I thought Ryan Tannehill while the raw stats like air yards and EPA and this stuff says he had a good game I feel like he had one of his worst performances of the year Now I'm not saying that he's the reason why they lost but I thought he had one of the worst performances of the year, and I need to see him make better decisions, Mike. Cause I feel like he's hiding, holding on to the ball too long. And there's a lot of opportunity for him to just run and get some yards and put himself in a better position instead of taking the sack. He could throw it away and not take the sack. He could, a lot of people say, well, if you threw it to a guy that's covered then if he the interception happens and you're saying that's a bad throw, well, there's a difference between throwing it and just a good defensive play and him throwing it and it was just an easy defensive play. He's got to start trusting. I feel like he's back in the zone where he's not trusting his pass catchers like we saw last year. Do you agree with that assessment that yesterday was probably his worst game, even though he's still low on the list of reasons to blame for a crappy offense?
1: Um, maybe, maybe. I mean, the the Bills game was pretty bad just from a standpoint of, I mean, he threw at least one terrible interception and the other one was, you know, not great. Um,
0: but just at least felt like he was slinging it at least.
1: Yeah. He was, he was at least, I guess, attempting to throw downfield, but I, I do think there's some trust issues with the pass catchers. I, I think, frankly, there's trust trust issues with the offensive line as well with him. And I think he just doesn't feel very confident in this passing game right now. And and how could he? I mean, you know, it's all these new targets. It's an offensive line that's just not playing very well. Um, no, you know, I don't think people are getting super super open now. I will say against the Colts and well, really against the Colts specifically, but you know, there was a couple against the Raiders, but the Colts game, he missed a couple wide open throws that, you know, he didn't throw the ball. He just moved on to the next read or checked it down or, or threw it late or whatever that were chunk plays. I mean, they were, they guys were wide open. There's one with Burks running a deep dig that was wide open. There was one with Kyle Phillips, on a third down where he was wide open, and I don't know why he wasn't, why he was hesitating to pull the trigger. If it was that he's not quite on the same page with these guys and doesn't fully trust it just yet. Um, but I mean, that it's one of those things we heard all at camp. Um, you know, well these guys have been there every day. You know, Robert Woods has been at practice every day. Kyle Phillips has been at practice every day. He's established a good rhythm with those guys, and we just haven't seen it translate or maybe we saw it translate initially and then it's regressed uh, as the season's gone on, but it's not, he's not playing awful right now, but he's also not doing a ton to elevate the team, which I think that's kind of the Tannehill thing though. Right. I mean, he's as good as the weapons you give him, basically. Um, You know, he's very capable as we've seen of having really good statistical performance was really good quarterback performances uh if he's given the talent and the weapons to to work with but if you give him a bunch of schlubs he's he's not going to elevate him like tom brady or mahomes or whoever else like he's just he's he's a cog in the wheel more so than a, a difference maker
0: right i think that's a that's a great thing to get into just real quick is that i i think that people are expecting ryan Tannehill to be that guy not every quarterback is that guy. Ryan Tannehill is a great quarterback in the system that he has been told to run. He is literally a yes man. That's been his best version of Ryan Tannehill is him being a yes man. Okay, this is my hot read. This is the If I see the look I need to get on the hot read, this is what I'm taking. If I see the look on the defense, this is what I'm taking pre-snap. I mean, that is the guy. That's why pre-snap motion and play action are so important for a guy like that is because he needs to make sure that that first or second read is being able to be thrown. And you can win with that. It's just that you can't elevate the talent around you. And, you know, and that, and that's fine. Like I said, you can win with that. And I do, I, let's get off the offense because I feel like we're a little bit too negative at this point. I don't want to talk about Caleb Farley. I think we both agree that Caleb Farley is is dead, whether that is a misuse of his snap allotment, just not getting his feet wet, which I don't think you can really say, whether that's because the energy at some point, the energy can't be, or energy, injury. At some point, the injury can't be an excuse anymore. I don't think it's a confidence issue. I just don't think he's that good. And I think the Titans don't think he's that good, despite what they may say. Maybe they haven't given up on him, but maybe they've given up on him at least this year. They can't afford to put him out there with the way they play off it. So Caleb Farley aside. Uh,
1: let me let me say ahead, this. I think he's slow. I think I think he's way slower right now than he was in on his college tape. And like that was part of the package with him. Like why they drafted him was look, this guy has like four two range speed at six two, which is freaky um if he's not fast anymore he's not probably going to be anywhere near what they expected him to be when he was drafted and he's not fast right now he diami brown ran by him like he was standing still and it is not like he got caught And floated. he was so
0: far off of diami brown that's that's the thing yeah. to me it's like it wasn't like he was pressed up you know at the line of scrimmage up and next to him he was literally and this has been his worst plays or when he's lined up like 10 yards away from the wide receiver, which again, I, according to the defensive coordinating staff, that is a cornerback choice, not a team choice. Most, most of the time.
1: Yeah, I think think that's true. And, but I mean, yeah, he, he got into his back pedal. He turned his hips and ran. And even after he turns his hips and he's running, Deami Brown is still pulling away from him. So I think, I think that tells you everything you need to know about where Caleb Farley is physically right now. And obviously he was on the injury report with a knee issue and whether that was issues popping up with his surgically repaired knee or whatever, um, who knows. But I don't think he's right physically. And I, honestly, until he is, I'm not putting him on the field again. I, like, it, Well, when you play
0: I'd, close games, you can't afford to put the guy that's going to no. allow explosive play on the field.
1: I mean, that 75-yard touchdown, I mean, that – that was a massive play in the game, obviously. And, and, you know, like you said with an offense that you're going to have to play these tight games, you just cannot spot the team other, you know, the other team seven points just cause you want to get this guy some reps. So, right, uh, yeah, I think, and it looked like they benched him after that, honestly, yeah. I, you know, he only played nine snaps. And I think most of them were before that uh, play, if not all of them. So it, yeah, I think we've seen enough of Farley to know that, He's not he's not ready to play yet, and who knows if he'll ever be ready? But right now, I think Terrence Mitchell gives you a better chance to win. As weird as that is to say,
0: well, you just hope that coming out of the bye, Elijah Molden, Racy McMath are able to come back and both fill the need on offense for a deep speed threat and on defense for a guy that can push Caleb Farley out, and you don't have to see much Terrence Mitchell. Even though Terrence Mitchell had a good game yesterday, this defensive line you know, is led by essentially Vita Vay 2.0 uh is what everybody wanted, you know, to remember to trade Jeffrey Simmons for last year was for yeah. Vita Vay. Because he's not as good as Vita Vay, supposedly. You know, the same people who think that trading for the Browns wide receiver too is a possibility, Donovan People Jones, or that uh, Matt Rule's a good head coach and it was just a quarterback situation he was dealt. Anyway, yeah.
1: I mean, Liz, on the trade thing, I just gotta say it real quick. If you're gonna throw out a trade scenario on Twitter or on the internet anywhere, you have to at least do the bare minimum step first of saying, if I was the other team, would I do this? Would what would I be getting out of this? And if the answer is hell no, I wouldn't trade my wide receiver two and I'm two and three one game out of first place, and and you know, I'm expecting it to get Deshaun Watson back in six weeks or whatever it is. Then don't suggest it because it's you know you can throw out whatever name you want, but if the other team is never going to trade them, like yeah, the Titans should Titans should trade for Patrick Mahomes. Why don't they just trade for Patrick Mahomes? That would fix everything. I mean, come on, like New Jersey
0: boys are just built different, Mike. They don't they don't think like us. Oh, good lord! They they think in their uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey kind of deal, the that kind of shit. They're riding their Ferris wheels and eating their Coney dogs on the boardwalk. Anyway, anyway, Jeffrey Simmons phenomenal game, which is the game I believe it was on this show. I have, you know, I'm I'm a man of many shows, and I thought it was this show that you that you were the one, the co host that said that you that you felt that this team needed a big Jeffrey Simmons game. And you got it. If that was you, it could have been Braden, but one of you guys got what you wanted. I know I said it at some point last week. Yeah. And I can't remember what it
1: was on either, but I said, uh, it feels like we're due for a Jeffrey Simmons ex- explosion.
0: And, and uh, you got it. And, and it was awesome, man. And Tier Tart is building on his game from last week. Danico Autry is just, he's just a fucking grown-ass man. I oh mean, I've God. never seen, I, even Jeffrey Simmons. I feel like Danico Autry has put so many offensive linemen down to the wayside when he's been given a one-on-one chance. And this is the best part of the team to me is the defensive line. And really I'll include Rashad Weaver into that, Bud Dupree when he's healthy. I I think that this defensive line is great. The problem is and as we have seen it doesn't matter if you have five sacks nine sacks one sack i don't know if this defense is good enough to carry them to where you want the team to go which is a super bowl to carry them
1: yeah i mean that's the thing like the 49ers defense is is like a defense that you could carry to a super bowl like they could drag jimmy g along with them to a super Bowl. i could see that happening I've been big on the 49ers all year because of this. Because Joey Bo- or not Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa is the best, best thing going right now in the NFL defensive wise. I mean, his numbers are unreal. Even better than um, Micah Parsons? I think I think Bosa's been better than Parsons this okay. year. I I do. Um, Parsons is amazing, Aaron Donald's amazing, but it's those three for me right now that are the best players, defensive players in the NFL, like not even close. It's those three guys. Um, but the Titans don't quite have that. Like Simmons is not far off of that group as far as impact. I mean, he's I think in the top five in pressures in the NFL right now as a as an interior defensive, not even as an interior defensive line, among all players, including edge rushers, which usually get more pressures than interior guys. Um, Simmons is is like in that top five or six range uh in total pressures for the season. So he's been phenomenal. Autry's phenomenal. Um, but they got like I keep saying it, you've got to have Bud Dupree. Like you've gotta have Bud Dupree in that mix because you need you just need more elements in that rush uh to be able to th- really dominate. And I think when Dupree is healthy, and and I, you know, it sounds like maybe he will be after uh the bye or or soon thereafter, since obviously they didn't put him on IR and they could have, um I you know. When they get Dupree back and they get Molden back and they get Cunningham back, which they haven't really missed Cunningham at all, frankly. I mean, Dylan Cole has played fantastic football for them uh, stepping in, which is a surprise to me and and obviously very impressive. Yeah. Um, But when they can start rolling some of these pass rushers in and out of the game, because I think part of the problem, too, is they're probably playing Jeffrey Simmons too many snaps right now. Like, it's hard to take him out of the game but you'd like to save him every now and then just physically uh, to be able to to unleash him on a third down, a critical third down where he's got, he's had a few plays off where he can get some rest. Um, But just being able to have more bodies in there that you can rotate these guys through um, and really keep a fresh group out there, I think would be important. But if you could get molden back, and molden, I think, is a playmaker for this defense, and that pushes McCreary McCreary back out to his more natural position outside. Um, maybe let's like let's see. I'm not I'm not totally ready to close the book on this defense being like a top five unit just yet, because they've been without basically five starters for most of the last three weeks. So um
0: well, the big yeah, issue is cornerback, right? I mean it's it's an issue, but not an issue. And, and let me let me pose it to you this way. I, I think the turnovers are supremely fluky. In fact, that's yeah. one of the reasons why a win is a win doesn't really float my boat when we get into it a little bit later. But turnovers are fluky. But this cornerback room isn't generating pass breakups, it's it has yet to generate an interception. Your interceptions come from Tier Tart, David Long. Which those two players really shouldn't be, you know, gener- tied for the lead or the team lead in interceptions, and then Amani Hooker and Kevin Byer. Cornerbacks walked away yesterday with no pass breakup, which I think that that's not true, but that's according to the stats. Because I feel like Roger McCreary's first pass, maybe they didn't count it because yeah, you know. I felt like
1: McCreary affected, and that I thought Christian Fulton by. had one, so I thought those that were is- two.
0: But even so. They're not near the team leader, Tier Tart, and pass breakups. That is a problem. And I can't really say, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's because of the pass rush. Well, no, the pass rush is, is still pretty good, and maybe it's not as good as what it was last year, but still pretty good. It still gives your cornerbacks a chance. Something stinks and it's not just Caleb Farley, but something stinks in this cornerback room that they're not getting turnovers or in the very least foreseen incompletions via pass breakup. That can obviously change when Elijah Molden's out and maybe they get better matchups, but that should be the main concern for this team, right? Is the explosive plays allowed in your cornerback room even though we thought coming in this was going to be one of the better cornerback rooms that the Tennessee Titans have ever filled it.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I definitely think that's the weak spot of the defense. And I do think there's part of that is likely being made worse by the fact that they are having to start guys like Terrence Mitchell. They are having to start guys like uh, Andrew Adams in the secondary. And it's not that these guys are bad players, because I, I actually think both Mitchell – uh, and Adams over the last two weeks have played good football for them. I mean, they, they've they stepped in and been solid. You haven't heard their names called a ton. They get, they get those
0: Greg good. Maben games in on them and the buster exactly. screen games, you know, exactly.
1: But I, I think, I mean, those guys are pretty fresh off the street. And I think what you see is the Titans thrive defensively when they're able to be really aggressive about rotating coverages and really kind of sneaky about how they're, showing something pre-snap and then doing something else post-snap and I think they've had to pair that back a bunch because of just having guys like Terrence Mitchell and Andrew Adams that are not as familiar with the defense in the secondary and I wonder if we'll see a very different looking back end if and when Elijah Molden's out there and Imani Hooker's out there and you've kind of got your your first choice, secondary, all playing together at the same time. And all all guys that have some experience now, because McCreary's played a little bit at this point. He's, you know, started all five games. Molden played a bunch last year. All all these guys have been around now. So I think maybe we'll see something more. And I'm that's kind of I think the the thing that you can maybe try to hang your hat on if you want to believe that this defense can reach those heights that we expected it to before the season started i think it's that when they're all healthy they'll have a lot more flexibility with what they can do from a scheme standpoint because that's really been that last year i felt like that was how they won was they were confusing as hell to quarterbacks that made guys hold the ball let the pass rush get home so I, i think that's missing right now because of the the newer players that are having to be played
0: and no money hooker this past weekend too which is another guy that you're getting back i mean when you're talking about getting a money hooker ugo Amadi, bud dupree elijah molden all back at the same time that's that's going to provide you a lot of hope for this defense and and hopefully all the guys can stay healthy because that has been the big knock on bud dupree I mean, people are back on the Bud Dupree sucks, Bud Dupree needs to be cut, Bud Dupree needs to be this, that. Look, he's staying on this team for 2022. Just wrap your fucking little brains around it. That's He's here. I wouldn't be surprised if they restructured or extended Bud Dupree. I'm not saying that they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did because obviously he's good when he's on the field. And I understand the big knock is that he's having a hard time being on the field. Sometimes just bad fucking luck. But if you're talking about a guy, this isn't Jadavian Clowney or Vic Beasley in my mind. Like, I think that's what people are kind of equating it to. When he's on the field, even if he's 70%, 70% Bud Dupree is better than 100% Jadavian Clowney or 100% Vic Beasley, 100% Camilla Cor- Correa, um, 100% Derek Roberson, whatever fucking guy you want to throw out there to the Titans have filled it on the opposite of, side of Harold Landry. Bud Dupree is better than 100% of them.
1: Absolutely. And, I yeah, I think Bud Dupree is a really good player still. And and this is the thing that is really driving me nuts on Twitter right now because I've been in a long argument with a bunch of Titans fans from uh, a tweet yesterday about uh, people saying, you know, well, the Titans are better off without LeJuan and all this stuff. And I'm like, you're crazy if you think that. You're crazy if you think the Titans are better off without Taylor LeJuan and playing Dennis Daly at left tackle. And then people will come in and say, well, he's contract and he's not available. And I'm like, that's besides the point. Like the, the contract stuff is for the off season. Like I'm not going to contract,
0: the contract stuff to me doesn't equate to, I, I have a hard time say, saying, well, the contract, well, you know, I really hate that the Bud Dupree's is getting paid $20 million this year. Well, he got paid the bulk of that money last year. Like, right. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, it's 20 million AAV or 20 million for the first two years per year or whatever. But you know, it's all funny money yeah. to me. If the guy is a force multiplier, which he is, and he affects everybody around him, which he does, who gives a shit how much he gets, you know, to take home in a paycheck. Like at yeah. this point, I, I, I just don't care.
1: Well, that's my thing. And it's frustrating because, and I feel like it's kind of come along full circle because like, I I do enjoy talking about the contract stuff yeah. in the offseason. Like, love talking about that. I think it's a very interesting uh topic of conversation. But during the season, there's no point in talking about it. I mean, Bud Dupree, I don't care what he makes. He's better than Ola Daney, he's better than uh, you know, Wyatt Ray or any of these other guys that they're trying to stick out there. Of course he is. Like you should want him to be healthy and out there, and that is. True of LeWan, too, obviously, like he, they were better when he was healthy. And I, I completely understand. Neither of those guys, if they cannot get on the field more than they have over the last two years, neither of those guys are worth the contracts that the Titans are paying them. But guess what? That money's already spent. That money's yeah. gone. You're never getting it back. Doesn't matter. So that guy's on the team. You should be rooting for him to be healthy and out there and playing as much as possible because whether he's worth his contract or not doesn't fucking matter anymore. It's whether or not he helps the team win football games, and he does. Bud Dupree unequivocally helps the Titans win football games when he is on the field, and that is all I care about from now until the Titans get knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. That's all I give a shit about. And after they get knocked out of the playoffs, we can talk about Bud Dupree and whether he should be back next year. And we can talk about Taylor Luan and whether he should be back next year. We can talk about uh, Zach Cunningham, whether he should be back next year.
0: Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, it's, the list goes on and on of players that we can talk Robert about. Robert Woods, yeah. And we, thank, we, and thank God we can talk about that because that makes our offseason recording so much easier to uh, plan around.
1: Yeah, it's great offseason talk don't give a shit about it right now because it does not matter. It is spent it, money. It, it literally does not matter.
0: I mean, no. it, it just, it's, it's crazy because you've already paid Bud Dupree the money. So now you're saying, well, the Titans should just, you know, you know, Bud Dupree sucks. He's not worth anything. Well, ne- now they, you're, you're essentially alluding to the fact that they need to go out and get a free agent. I mean, like um spend money on who's who's a free agent pass rusher is out there. Well, I think Wyatt Ray got cut, right? Didn't he get cut? He's on the practice yeah, squad. So. Or Brooks Reed, you can get him. I mean, like, these guys are losers, and your team is not better, even if listen, even when Bud Dupree isn't in a game, these guys don't help your team. I am sorry. Wyatt Ray, <laughs> even a healthy Wyatt Ray. Is better than a health uh, a scratched from the game, Bud Dupree. He's not better. Yeah, I mean, there's no value add to Wyatt Ray or Brooks Reed.
1: For some reason, like these guys' contracts get so tied up in their in their the way that fans view them, and it drives me crazy because it's like a lot of fans it feels like would rather would rather see a guy on the field who is a C minus player but is making the veteran minimum. Then see a guy on the field that is making twenty million dollars a year and is a B plus player. It's like I understand, like maybe from a value standpoint, if you're team building, maybe you take that trade possibly. But you during the season, like the Bud Dupree's making twenty million dollars this year, whether he plays or not. So he doesn't give a fuck whether he's on the team. Like he's gonna collect that paycheck. So you might as well get him to go play his B plus football out there. Like and worry about whether he's worth it in the offseason it's just so annoying to me
0: speaking of fan mentality and stuff and we'll we'll end it on this because um for yeah we'll end it on this but i do want to get to a uh, ron rivera quote that just popped up on the timeline um a win is a win and i feel like the titans have this win is a win mentality this culture they don't care how ugly it is. As long as they fucking win, if they are winning with Dennis Daly, they're gonna stick with Dennis Daly. If Cody Hollister's getting snaps and he's out there blocking, even if he sucks this game, a win's a win. We fought, we'll continue fighting. A win's a win, and and I agree to a certain extent. Wins should be celebrated. Wins should be held as precious gemstones in today's NFL. Like, covet the win. Always, I would always rather have a a. a ugly win than a great looking loss (laughs) you know what I'm saying like I'll I'll take the trade-off right but at some point fans you got to be a little bit and fans and not only fans but also the staff I feel like got to be a little bit more self-aware that the way the Titans have continued to win this season in particular is not sustainable the way the offensive line is set up currently is not a sustainable path to victory if your ultimate go- goal is the super bowl for this team. If that's not your ultimate goal then you're fine, right? This does not pertain to you. But if you are a fan that is still holding on to this 0.5% chance that this team is going to win the super bowl. It's generous. It's generous. <sighs> you have to you have to hold on. You can't hold on to the way certain things are being done. Now, I'm not expecting or demanding a total offensive overhaul a of philosophy and everything in this particular season because it's not going to happen, right? They don't trust the offensive line. They don't trust, I think, to some extent, Ryan Tannehill, another extent to their pass catchers. I think there's a lot of mistrust on the offense. But you, you, you can be happy with the win, but you have to recognize that this team is just... It's still dead in the water as far as Super Bowl aspirations, right, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be real hard for me to see them winning a Super Bowl with this team. And I mean, while that's disappointing, given that I I thought they had a potential Super Bowl caliber team last year, had everyone stayed healthy and had them, had they, you know, been able to push through and and win over the Bengals or whatever. But I I don't know. To me, I, I feel like, and I've joked about it obviously on the show. I feel like the, this is where the season is headed that it, they're probably going to find a way to win the division at like 10 and seven or maybe 11 and six. Um, and then they're probably going to lose in the first or second round of the playoffs at most because they're not as good as the Bills. They're not as good as the Chiefs. Um, now, I will say that. I always allow for the idea that a team can change over the course of the season. Like, 17 games is a long time in the NFL. And the team that's playing the best in the first quarter of the season is not always the team that's playing the best at the last quarter. Probably, of the case and of it,
0: point, the Eagles, who are going to be this year's, last year's Cardinals team. Is, I, I mean, mind. yeah.
1: I I don't think – the Eagles' schedule is so bad that, or so easy that I, I think they're going to win probably 13, 12 or 13 games. Ooh. But – I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're going to make it out of the NFC. I I don't think they're that good. I I don't think they're head and shoulders above anyone else in that conference. But the Titans could certainly get better. Now, like we talked like the offensive line to me is still the limiting factor because you could talk yourself into a scenario where Traylon Burks gets healthy and hits the gas like A.J. Brown did in the back half of his rookie year and becomes a real weapon for them in the passing game. You could talk yourself into Robert Woods Uh, as he gets more removed from this ACL surgery and, and more comfortable on that knee, starts to look more and more like the guy for the Rams over the last few years. You can talk yourself into that. You can talk yourself into Austin Hooper, you know, getting more comfortable with offense and and getting a bigger role. Cheer, it's a lot know, of mirror
0: talking if you're talking yourself into that one because that feels like well, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're sitting in front of the mirror and, you're, and your significant other's like, what the fuck are they doing in the bathroom locked in? <laughs> because that's a lot of talking into yourself on Austin Hooper.
1: But there that those things I can understand. The thing that I struggle with when I'm sitting there going, all right, how does this team become – a potential Super Bowl team is two things. One is Dennis Daly and the left tackle position. I just don't think they have an answer on the roster that's very good. And maybe, maybe Daly gets to play at least a passable level later in the season. Possible. I, I don't know. I I tend to doubt it. And then the other thing is Ryan Tannehill, which to a lot of Titans fans, which I think this is kind of funny because a lot of Titans fans will sit out there and say Tannehill's not good. He's not good enough to win the Super Bowl. He's not good enough. To take this team where it needs to go. And then they turn around and they'll criticize Mike Vrabel for not winning a Super Bowl. And I'm like, well, which one is it? Does he not have the quarterback that's capable of winning the Super Bowl, or is it him? Like, you know, so and I think Tannehill is too limited that to win a Super Bowl in the current league without Derrick Henry and the defense being unbelievable. They have to be unbelievable by the end of the season. And is there an outside chance that could happen? Maybe, maybe, but without Landry, without Lawan, I feel like. It's
0: kind of like that New York Giants run to the Super Bowl where they beat Tom Brady with the helmet catch. Not only did you have to be lucky with the helmet catch, it was on the run game, the defensive line, getting a ton of pressure.
1: Or even the Joe Flacco Super Bowl, right? I mean, Flacco was not great that season. Then he got red hot during the playoffs. That's right. Deal for
0: Super Bowl to throw another one out there. There's yeah. a lot of ways uh, the early Tom Brady Super Bowls. You know, when Denver won um, the the Super Bowl the second Dude, their uh, second Manning. time with Peyton yeah. Manning, was another one. I mean, yeah. there are ways for this team to win Super Bowls with Ryan Tannehill, just not because of Ryan Tannehill's. Yeah. Saying.
1: And it just makes the path that much harder. So I mean, look, like, I wouldn't say it's a zero point zero percent chance of winning the Super Bowl, but it's it's low. I mean, well, for where sure. Where do you
0: fall low. on the win as a win? Because I I look at this as probably the worst win of the Vrabel era because you had to have you were you were I feel, and this is not a, to discount what the defense defense did the whole game, but you had to get. Carson Wentz in that moment with the pressure on him, because if you got maybe like 20 other quarterbacks in that position, you're probably not going to see the series that you saw in the end zone because there was not just the final play, but a couple plays before that where he's just terrible Carson Wentz. And I kind of feel like the way the defense, the the cornerbacks in particular were playing and the offense was playing You kind of got lucky that there was an an interception by your inside linebacker, David Long, on a particular play. I'm not to take anything away from his play. He made a great play. But you're also going up against Carson Wentz, right? I mean, like, I just, I have a hard time balancing this win with saying that this team is a a good team, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm still struggling with that three weeks, three wins in a row.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like they're a complete team, or that they've arrived, or anything like that. I mean, just because they've won three in a row, like they, they these have been on the uglier side of wins. Um, you know, they're winning close games. It's just and not
0: sustainable. Like in my mind, it's, it's not sustainable.
1: It's generally not. I mean, I'll, I'll say that the variable Titans have had a real knack for this, and and like you think, you can think probably name off the top of your head at least four goal line stands that this team has won games on uh, during the last Chargers game. Years. We were at
0: as double fist and white claws.
1: That's right. Charge the Chargers game. Uh, they had the goal line standing against the bills. Obviously on Monday night football, they had this goal line stand. They had the goal line stand. Uh, didn't they have one against the bucks at one point maybe, um, or am I misremembering that? Yes,
0: uh, it was against the bucks.
1: So they've had, they've had several. So they, they do have a knack for doing this in a way but it's um it's not sus- it's not sustainable to constantly be in dogfights against mediocre to bad teams and just expect to rattle off wins every time and then you know what happens when you come up against the chiefs in in a few weeks so i i think this team i wasn't expecting them to blow out the commanders on the road like i thought the titans were going to win the game um i expected them to win the game was it closer than what I thought, you know, with it coming down to the, I I wasn't surprised it came down to the final drive. I was surprised that it came down to like the final yard. Right. I guess that's probably the difference for me. Um, And I don't know. I, I, to me, like, I guess from a NFL standpoint, I feel like I just take every win that I can get at this point. Cause you watch a team like the Packers lose to the giants in London or, or the Jaguars who, you know, were. (laughs) quote-unquote <laughs> one of the best teams in the nfl two weeks ago get beat at home by the texans and you go yeah it's really hard to win in this league regardless of who you're playing or where you're playing so oh, you i'm just being over, overly
0: objectively critical
1: you nah, think? i mean i don't, you don't think, think so I am? no because i agree with what you're saying that like they have not played very good football like they have not played right. inspiring football in any of those these three games now like I'm. I'm not going to sit here and like bash a win. Like I, I'm never going to do that. I, I think it's great that they won the game. It's really hard to win in the NFL. I agree with Mike Vrabel and all that stuff. But as far as projecting forward, you certainly don't say take this game and say, well, they figured this stuff out, gotcha. and here they go on this big run. You know, I. They could. They could still figure it out, but they haven't figured it out yet. So I. I that's
0: kind of where I'm at. And that's where I'm at too. Like I'm. I guess. I guess over the year this last year doing this podcast and continuing to do it, do it and do it. I've kind of desensitized myself a little bit to being looking at everything with, uh, from a fan perspective. Like I am literally, uh, observing this team from a more objective standpoint than I have in previous iterations of the podcast. And I don't think, I don't think our listeners are, are used to that. And I'm not just saying that, that I don't care that this team doesn't win or I don't, don't love this team and want to follow this team. Listen, this the show's called Football and Other F-Words. I could have branded this team at any point after Mike and Michael quit into a into a Kansas City podcast or something like that. I I love the Tennessee Titans. I live in Nashville. I love the, I love I love this team. I love football, but I I I can't sit here and wave two tone blue pom poms over every little win and not have concern that this team's just not like Lauren. You know, she asks me. She goes, "Well, how was the game? Well, they won." But <laughs> I mean, like that's 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 how I say it because it's like they're they're still not a great football team, and it was an ugly win. And and like I'm I'm happy that they won. Maybe I need to drink more during the games to maybe enjoy these wins a little bit more. But I, I can't sit here and honestly be myself and say, "Oh well, I this team won, everything's fixed." and you know Ryan Tannehill looks great, and the, who cares about the offensive line? They're just winning because I know that the other shoe is about to drop at some point. Whether that doesn't drop and they go on to fifteen and two, it's going to drop round one in the playoffs, right? Like it's going to drop at some point, no matter how many wins they stack. In, in my mind,
1: yeah, I mean, and yeah, I think it's 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 a hard balance to walk, right? Because there right. is a side where it's like you know, you remember what it was like in 2014 and 2015 and and those years before where it was like any win, like a win was like a, you know, a glass of water in the desert. And you're like, Oh my God, we, you know, they won a game this week. It's amazing. Um, But you don't live in that world anymore. Right. like this team has won a lot of football games now and you're in, you don't want to become so desensitized to winning that it's just like, Oh, well, you know, Titans won, but it wasn't as good a win as I would have wanted because there's a lot of teams that would kill to be three and two. And you know, what, what are they? Uh, let's see. I got to do some math in my head now. 26 and what are they? 26 and 12 over the last two years, yeah. or three, two and a half years, three years now uh, going back to the start of 2020.
0: Don't check us on five, that, but we're just going to roll with it. Five,
1: 12 and five <laughs> and three and two. Yeah. Whatever that comes up to um but a lot of teams would kill for that record i mean that's one of the best records in the nfl over that stretch um so i don't want to totally poo poo a a victory even when it's ugly but yeah you can certainly watch a game and say yeah this isn't a great football team right now the way that they're playing they you
0: know
1: that's that's, it's fair that's fair analysis
0: what what do you think and this will be what we end on maybe this is isn't what people are going to want to end on but this whole idea that, well, the Giants' loss doesn't look as bad as anymore. Does does it? Because in my mind, I look at it from this perspective. That's a game they should have won, but they didn't win because the Titans played poorly. It's not because the Giants played the same kind of exemplary football that they're playing now because the Giants have found themselves and have gotten better. I mean, you're talking about a team. I, I don't know what the Packers are right now they're they're struggling mightily but I know that the Giants team has a good staff and they came in and they said we don't care that we're without Wandell Robinson Kenny Galladay and uh Kadarius Tony we do not care we're gonna use Daniel Bellinger we're gonna get creative Saquon Barkley stop us if you can we're coming to play with you and the defense is playing great but the Titans did not play great that game so why does it matter why is it? Why is that a thing? And I, it's not just a thing that this fan base does. It's a thing in all sports, right? Yeah. Because the Bengals making it to the Super Bowl does not make me feel any better about Ryan Tannehill throwing three interceptions. So, should why should this Giants streak that is going on right now, where they're playing great football, make me feel better about that moment in time when the Titans were clearly the better team than the Giants and they shit the bed?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't undo the loss, obviously. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's just, you know, perspective and feelings. But I think part of the reaction to that initial game and part of the reason it was so negative was that everyone expected the Giants to be like a two and, you know, 15 team. Like that that was kind of what everyone thought was going to happen. They had a lame duck quarterback. You know, no one had seen Saquon Barkley in five years or however long it's been. Um and they had a lot of missing pieces. They didn't have any real big names on defense. It was just kind of blah. It was a blah roster. New head coach. Everyone thought, you know, this this should be a nice easy layup in week one. Well, it turned out the Giants are not an easy layup. Like they just aren't. They're they're a pretty good team. Um, they're not a great team by any means. They're not as good as their four and one record would suggest because there's a there's a win over the Panthers in there. Uh, there's a win over the uh bears in there so that's two and it went over two the Titans. Wins. they suck <laughs> <laughs> so but i mean like I, I think when i look back on it now knowing that like okay what my pre-season my preseason notion of the giants is was not exactly dead on to what that team really is right now because saquon barkley is running the ball at a super high level and part of my reaction to that first game was like well if the titans can't stop the run this is going to be a very long season for this defense because that's one thing they've been able to hang their hat on for years now is they always are good against the run. It's whether or not they can stop the pass. And if you can't stop either, then you're in a real mess. But um, I think now we know Saquon Barkley in this offensive line is good enough to run the ball on pretty much anybody. So I think it makes me, and you've seen the Titans run defense get better and really like stack some really nice games right on top of each other here these last two weeks. So. I think my perspective does change a little bit on the on that loss just because it's not as like wow holy crap how did you lose to that team as it was at the time just knowing basically that basically it's just now it's, it's, you're, not saying,
0: you're you're kind of saying that it's not like oh my god I can't believe you lost to the lions who went on to be 1 in 16 and you were their only win Right, you're you're saying that oh well you lost to um let's pick a team last year, um you lost yeah you lost to the Steelers of last year who aren't a great team but you lost to the Steelers
1: yeah yeah I think that's I think that's what it is it, you're, not, it you're not saying
0: that the, the Titans shouldn't have won that game
1: no no the Titans should have won that game the Titans were better than them that day gotcha. they gave up two gigantic plays that just absolutely destroyed them in the second half. And then they missed a stupid field goal from, you know, an idiot kicker because partially because the coaching staff decided to get it on his fucking preferred hash instead of getting him more yards and getting him closer.
0: You just lost to a nine and eight team instead of a two and 15 team.
1: Yeah. It just, I think it just colors that win or that loss a little bit differently just because part of, I I do feel like the biggest part of that negative reaction, it wasn't that the Titans just played so bad. It was just that, everyone's like, oh, the, well, this is an automatic win. They're going to win this game. And then they didn't, and they appeared to lose to a team that was potentially going to lose all their games, all the rest of their games. So, um, and then you throw that Bills loss on, on top of that, and it's really like, you know, our, you know, just season over. But I don't know. It, it changes my perspective a little bit on it. It doesn't really change anything for the, how the season's going to go.
0: Well, that will do it for us here on Football and Other Air Force. We took up a lot of your time, but we had a lot to get to because it's a bye week, right? I mean, you're going to have now about a week and a half because you're going to have no Titans game to talk about to come in and listen to this show. And we definitely think you should listen to this whole show. Obviously, you should go Jaspers. The Predators are back. You need to go start watching Predators game at Jaspers, but you also need to go on Sunday. You can watch actual a bunch of different games at once, get two-for-one beers, get great food, great environment. Head to Jasper's in Nashville. They are our sponsor, and they are a fantastic, kind sponsor that we want to keep. So please head over to Jasper's Nashville. Just go at least buy two or three beers and say, hey, I listened to that Football and Other Efforts podcast, and they said I should have came here, and I'm glad I did. Even if you aren't glad that you did, but you will be glad that you did. (laughs) So head on over to Jaspers for Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL. Go to com to read all of his content. Go to broadwaysportsmedia.com to watch and listen to all of his content. Go to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. Go to the 440 Sports YouTube page. Turn those notifications on because you can watch this show and other shows from Broadway Sports Media at the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. And you can watch 440 Sports content at the 440 Sports page where they not only have a football show star in yours truly, they also have the fringe element where they cover all the SEC topics that we don't get to in the football or on a football show. And they cover hockey, soccer, everything you could want is over at 440 Sports, over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have it all. We cover it all. And we're focused here in Nashville because that's where you, the listener, are mostly living at i know there are some but you are mostly interested in the nashville sports scene so please come over there and basically subscribe to everything that I just told you to subscribe to my name is zach glad you follow me on twitter at efforts pod he's mike currently follow him on twitter at mike kerner in nfl this has been football and other efforts and you have just been F.
1: Broadway sports media production.